Hello and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. On today's episode number 91, we are taking a side road to talk to Alan Castell, a professor of psychology at UCLA and author of Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging. I invited Dr. Castell to learn about how mindset about aging makes so much difference and how well we adapt to getting older. When I first heard Dr. Castell speak about this topic, it occurred to me that I had a negative attitude about getting older. And so I wanted to learn more about how to shift my own mindset to help me to thrive as an athlete. This episode may not make you faster on your bike, but it just may help illuminate a better path to becoming a wise athlete. All right, let's talk to Dr. Castell. Dr. Castell, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Your research is fascinating to me. Uh, And mainly it's because I can see myself in the findings that you've written about. And I have to say that makes me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) I wonder if we can start this thing off by you just telling us what got you interested in this line of research? You know, a little bit about your educational background, maybe your personal background that, that led you this way. Certainly. I, uh, I'm a cognitive psychologist, so I, I don't see patients, but I do research on how we learn and how we age. And I think I got interested in this early in life, just having older grandparents and seeing what kinds of things they remembered and, and what kinds of challenges they had. And I kind of took that as that's the norm. And, but I also had, you know, saw different grandparents aging in different ways. Uh, and then as I got older, I, you know, I'm trying to memorize things. I, you know, used to do triathlons. I love playing basketball, but I noticed changes, uh, physical changes, uh, mental changes, and how I approach things. So I thought, you know, psychology is so interesting and rich because we both have a, a lot of control over how we think and our attitudes towards things, but then we also have some challenges, sometimes physical, sometimes mental. So I kind of fell into this field. I didn't even know cognitive psychology existed when I was in high school. And, and then through college, I was just kind of memorizing things and uh, noticing changes in my grandparents, even my parents. And so I, I was fortunate enough to learn that there's a field of study where we examine our attitudes and beliefs and how they influence our you know, behaviors and our, our ability to learn. And so that's where I am today. I'm a a professor in psychology at UCLA, and I direct a lab, the Lifespan Development Lab, where we examine how people's memory changes, how people's attitudes and perceptions about their cognitive abilities change over time. And we're fortunate to test a lot of older adults, um, conduct interviews, and and really learn just how the mind uh, changes as we get older. To match or at least go along with how the body changes as we get older. Uh, at least that's been my personal experience. Well, so as we talked about uh, uh, before we hit the record button, our audience today is the older athlete. I'm an older athlete. And it's, I think, fair to assume that most people listening to us right now are aware of the fact that they are older, whatever that may mean to them. They may feel, as I do, that they have lost a step on their younger selves, but these are the people who keep after it. They're staying with it even if they feel like they can't go as fast or as lift as heavy or do exactly the things that they used to be able to do, they're still enjoying being strong and healthy or want to get back to that. And so they listen along here to uh, get tips on, on how to do that better. And your area of expertise, I guess is, is broad, but, but I want to focus in on this mindset 
area and what that really means. We've all heard the word mindset and we all know that it means something, you know, it's like attitude or, or something like that. You know, it's the, your approach to the, how you approach the world. Anyway, we'll look for you to define that for us. But what's new, and I think relevant here, is how I've been convinced by you how mindset applies to aging and how people can use mindset to better their lives, to you know, not dwell on the negative things that are a part of aging or the things that they've lost or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but that they could use mindset to have a better life. And I think what you found was that some people sort of naturally found this idea and they are even happier, you found, as they got older. In any case, um, I wonder if you could share with us some of your findings about older people. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. Attitude plays a really big role and that's what we examine how our perceptions of aging might influence how we age. Um, and the first thing is how we talk about aging, what sorts of labels we use, you know, an older athlete, senior citizen, um, aging, what does it mean? And yeah. I, I think it's interesting we can look at age in a biological way, but as a psychologist, I'm interested in how we define age more subjectively. So if you ask people how old they feel, you'll often get a different answer than their chronological age. And typically <laughs> after the age of 40, most people feel about 20% younger. And I think that's important because um, it's not like we feel, you know, when we're 50 that we're 17 or 18 anymore, but we might not quite feel 50. We might still think of ourselves as, you know, 40, 42. And that can influence our behavior, I think, sometimes in a positive way. Um, I think the next thing we need to think about is how our attitudes inform our behaviors in terms of the stereotypes we have, like an, what is an older person to you? A lot of people say old age is always, you know, 10 to 15 years <laughs> in front of me. I'm not there yet. Uh. And I think that's also in terms of how we think of frailty, right? We, we want to keep exercising, keep going to avoid these sorts of things. And, uh, setting realistic goals is really important. And I think as we get older, whatever we call wisdom might start to kick in. And so we study that in terms of how we become more selective as we get older. We know we can't do everything. Sometimes it's a time issue. Sometimes it's an, you know, just a physical ability issue. So we, you know, there's a theory called selective optimization with compensation. So we kind huh. of selectively focus on the things that we either derive pleasure from or, or feel like we want to continue doing and try and really optimize those and compensate, um, you know, maybe using strategies or tricks or, you know, ways to compensate for things that do happen as we get older. We're slower, we take more time to recover, perhaps. So I think that's a really good model to think about as we get older. And it actually might be a good thing that to help even younger people that maybe, you know, when you're young, it's good to play lots of sports and do different things. As you get older, you might hone in on the ones that you enjoy the most or you know, maybe there's social aspects to some that aren't present in others. And, you know, when you're 50, 60, 70, that might become even more important. So I, I see this a yeah. lot, you know, when people pick up like pickleball or pick up a, a you know, mm -hmm. even an activity that involves some social connection. And, you know, towards the end of the interview, I can even preview now, I call it the ABCs of aging. And A is, it stands for attitude, because having a positive attitude about aging means you might engage in future behaviors like, you know, exercise, socializing, as opposed to having a negative attitude about, you know, all decline. 
And B is balance, um, both physical and mental balance. You know, I'm sure you've talked on your show, part of being an athlete is just staying on your feet. And one thing that happens as we get older is our balance declines. So it's really important to be aware of that and train balance. And I'm sure you have lots of people here who can tell you how to do that. Um, But also finding balance in your life, you know, in terms of how you spend your time, who you're around. There's no one activity that's going to solve all your problems. And the, the last part is connection, C, you know, being connected to the people that are important to you, but also the activities, the things you want to keep doing. So I think it boils down to, you know, many interrelated concepts that can lead to successful aging. Yeah, that's something, good advice. We'll dive more into that. So I want to go back to something you mentioned, the, how people tend to think of themselves as younger than they, they are. I also have heard you say elsewhere something that I honestly thought it was just me, but apparently it's a very, very common thing. And that is that when they see themselves in the mirror, they're shocked. It's not like a negative, oh, damn, you know, I look so bad. It's, oh my God, I had, you know, even though I've seen myself in the mirror multiple times, I still am surprised. Cause I, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm 38 years old. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't look like I'm 38 years old. Yeah, I think that's shocking to some people. And it's funny because we're looking in the mirror all the time. So these these changes creep up on you in some ways. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, again, physical. And so I think some of it, some of it is not just, you know, how we look, but how we behave and how that disconnect is sometimes what's shocking to us. Um, but it's also what we attribute aging to be, you know, is having wrinkles a negative thing, perhaps for vanity, is losing your hair a negative thing, you know, perhaps again, for either vanity or sun protection, who knows, but uh, I was shocked by it too. And I I don't notice these things until they, you know, you look in the mirror and you realize you've less hair on the top of your head. In fact, kind of anecdotally, (laughs) my son and I were getting haircuts and He's kind of casually said he wanted his hair cut like daddy's. And I thought, oh, that's that's nice. You know, get out. And he said, with the hole on top. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he clearly notices that I have this large balding spot that I'm not as aware of. You know, I'm uh, six feet tall. I don't look at you know, myself in the mirror and see the back of my head. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, this starts early in life, how we, you know, our attitudes about aging are important. Do we want to have hair? Is that important? Do we want to have wrinkles? Being able to run as fast as you used to when you're 15 or 20 is just not realistic. Um, but sometimes there could be benefits to, to slowing down. We start to notice things we might not notice. You know, sometimes you'll go, you said you ski, probably have gone on amazing ski trips, but you're so focused on getting down the mountain and technique that you might not notice the scenery or the, the people you're around. And as you get older, those things might sink in and be even more important. Yeah, that's a really good point. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is that I suffer from this negative attitude toward getting older. Uh, Every time I get on my bike and I am going to go as hard as I can go, I want it to be faster than the last time. (laughs) Right. And that has stopped happening for me. Oh. Now I'm hanging on for dear life to my, you know, staying close to my PRs if I can and failing uh, 
you know, to be honest. So I, I'm not happy about that. Uh, but in, in having heard you talk, I, I've decided that your message is important. And maybe not just for me, maybe for everybody listening here who maybe is also suffering from their times are getting slower. And there are changes to the body as we get older. But one of the advantages of aging, and this is why I mention all of this, one of the advantages of aging is that we now have had time to learn ourselves what makes us tick, what, where we're weak and how to compensate. And, and even if compensate for areas of where we're declining, my diet is so good now. I, when I was young, I could eat anything and I did eat anything because nothing seemed to matter. But as I got older, I tried to compensate for, you know, my body not working as well by trying everything I could. And so I don't, drink alcohol and I don't smoke and I do, and I eat only healthy foods and I keep my weight under control and I'm doing, I get good sleep. I used to live on no sleep and I prioritize, I do everything I can do. And yeah, I think that it does help, but no, I'm not getting younger by drinking green tea. Uh, <laughs> so that is an unfortunate thing. But what I am doing, what I am trying to do through this podcast and other ways is I'm trying to become wiser. And, uh, and if I can figure out as a part of becoming a wise person, how to enjoy my life more, enjoy my family more, enjoy my hobbies, enjoy my exercise more, well, then that's a good thing. And so that's kind of what I'm interested in, in learning from you. And so I've got a few things that I'd, I'd like to talk about. I mean, first of all, I'd just love to you know, open your brain up and dump everything out. Um, but since that's not realistic, Here's what I'd like to talk about, and maybe we can't really cover all of this, but let, let's try. Four things. One is, let's talk about what mindset is, you can define it, and then you can tell us how you have found that it relates to aging and how people who are aging well, and you can define that too, how they're using mindset to their advantage. And then help us with this, because I think this mindset thing is related to other things that we all know about. And, and if we can connect the dots on these, it, we can believe it more and belief matters. So how is mindset, this phenomena of our brain, how is this similar to things like placebo effects or nocebo effects? Why does belief matter so much in our brains? And then the third thing then would be, okay, how can we use this? Well, you know, what, what are the tricks if, if there are, or is it just practice for a long time and learn to adopt behaviors and just work at it? But if you've got shortcuts or hacks or things that, you know, mantras that you use or whatever it is, you know, I'd love to understand that and then just pull it all together. So how we can see getting older not as a negative thing but as a positive thing uh, so that we can see we can reframe things that sort of thing what do you think yeah i think you know i think to start off there's many myths about aging um and we have stereotypes and attitudes you know you see it in the media it's something we want to avoid we're worried about but the truth is you know whether we have a negative or positive expectation about aging can influence what happens to us as we get older Okay. And it's not just, you know, a, you know, a cyclical thing. It's that 
these sorts of attitudes, if we have some positive expectations, might encourage us to do things that will cause us to enjoy our time or be around other people who have similar positive attitudes about aging. Yeah. On the other hand, if we say it's all downhill or I have a bad knee and it's just aging, well, you also have another knee that's aging, you know, been aging the same amount of time. So it's clear that, you know, there, there are events that can be challenging. And as we get older, you know, there's physical things and mental things that, you know, can build up. Yeah. But how we attack these things really does play a big role. And so I think that that's the first thing to think about is our expectations can influence, you know, our behaviors. And so it's not some magical thing that just have a positive attitude, everything will work out. It's have a positive attitude because, you know, maybe you're aware that life is short or you want to be around people that make you feel good. Or that, you know, if I told you happiness actually peaks in, in older age, then maybe it will make you eat a better diet or do things not to get younger, but so that you can reach this older pinnacle, perhaps. And, and I think that's, you know, one thing to think about is we're not good, there's no fountain of youth. And maybe, you know, if you even ask people, would you want to get younger? People don't necessarily want to go back to being 15, 20, 25 years old, even if you think college was the best time in your life. Often people would say, you know, yeah, I'd love to be 10, 20 years younger, not to have some of the physical ailments you have. But the research shows that as you get older, people's self-report happiness and life satisfaction tends to increase. You know, rates of clinical depression are often higher in college-age students than they are in senior citizens, so older people. So I think just becoming aware of that, and that's something I try and emphasize in my classes at UCLA, you know, looking at that there is a decline model of aging, but there's also this kind of U-shaped function with older people showing higher levels of happiness. So what can you do now to reach that? And some of these things have to deal with like retirement. You know, that can be a very stressful time for people. How will you retire? When will you retire? What will you be when you're a retiree? Um, so I think looking at these things, not as like, how do I get there or how do I avoid it? But like you said, you know, these are, there's always going to be conflicts in your life and how do you kind of achieve them? And sometimes having a sense of humor is important. I've interviewed a lot of older adults who will kind of smile and laugh when they look back on the things that have happened or the things they need to, to worry about. Um, so I think that that's important, but not looking for the one thing. And in fact, you know, I, spoke to one person and he said the one thing is not to look for the one thing because it's going to be a collection of things and sometimes not as clear cut so i think it's it's a challenge i think mindset matters there's cultural differences too uh you know in a western culture we we have different approaches to aging than other cultures so i think you know there's a lot to learn by looking at how other people age there's not one way to do it sometimes calling it successful aging is a kind of unfortunate because there's maybe it should be more meaningful aging it's not yeah. how many years you live it's what you do during these years yeah so i think these are all things that have a psychological component that sometimes we we don't uh, take into account i think that's important uh, you know especially this last little bit of the word successful implies that there's like win and lose you know you can win or you could lose and if you didn't win you lost Exactly. You know, yeah. Us athletes are are very familiar with this idea of you know in racing, you win or you didn't win. But that's not what life is. Life is not about winning. It's not about winning. It's also not a race. I think that's the you know. I think we're very trained to think of you know planning for retirement financially, but I think as we get older, we're more aware of our, our limited lifespan. So we try and 
not necessarily just live in the moment, but appreciate the time that we have with the people that we enjoy. When we're younger, that might not be the case. We're looking for this extreme level of happiness or looking for that job or partner or something that's going to bring us this level of satisfaction, achievement, and joy. But I think your attitudes and your goals do change as you get older. So it's more a qualitative difference as opposed to quantitative. That's why, you know, use this example, of course, you're not going to run as fast as you did when you're, you know, 60 compared to when you were 10 or 20. But that doesn't mean, you know, you might be happier when you're 60 than you were when you were 10 or 20. You know, things are going to change in different ways. And I think that's what's interesting about studying aging is it's not this yeah. one function. Yeah. So how would you just define or describe a mindset? Well, there can be different mindsets in terms of, you know, some people have described mindsets as being kind of a growth mindset that, you know, things change as you work harder at them. Um, and, versus and that you can get better if you apply that yourself. You can get better, that you have control over things versus, oh, I'm good at math or I'm good at biking. That's just how my body works. And that, that can be yeah. a little bit defeating because then you'll just write things off like, well, I have a bad knee. It's just old age. Well, you know, I, I, like I said, the other knee is the same age and is not experiencing this sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's yeah, not maybe just it's not just the age. Time. Yeah. And I, it's like saying rust is caused by, by, um, you know, just time. <laughs> well, there's other, you know, more active processes going on. And so right, I think right. when we think of this as more complicated and that we actually do have some control over, you know, it's not just people will say sometimes, you know, in terms, it's all genetics or pick your parents wisely. But uh -huh. I think that's getting closer to it when you say pick your parents wisely, because it's not all genetics. You know, how you're how you're raised is going to influence your attitudes about aging, your attitudes about many things. Yeah. And the people you're around, you know, if you're looking at endurance athletes or other people, you're looking for trainers or being inspired by other people. So in my book, um, Better With Age, I, I enjoyed really focusing on mentors who showed really the way they've aged and the way the challenges they've experienced, the, you know, the, the accomplishments they've had, but also, you know, the people who have said there's many different ways to do it. I wish I did it this way. I, I'm surrounded by family. This is, you know, the decisions people make as they get older. You know, you might move somewhere to be closer to family as you get older, but you also need to keep a sense of livelihood. I think David Letterman said, uh, um, you know, before you retire and, and move closer to family, check with your family first, <laughs> right? You, you have to be, I think that that's why it all comes down to balance, really. Like you, you really, Interesting. it might be something that becomes better as you get older is that maybe you're not working as hard or focused on just one goal, but as you get older, you're more balanced. And I think that's, that's an important thing to take into account when we're younger as well. And, and maybe a way of talking about it is um, that your goals should change as you get older, as you, you know, your, your children are raised, your career is nearing an end or is over, you know, why wouldn't your goals change? So, you know, pick your goals well so that you can enjoy yourself, you can be happy. Don't pick goals that force you to struggle against things like the only thing I want is to be able to run faster now than I did when I was 20 years old. Exactly. And, and, and the research shows this is work from Stanford by Laura Carstensen is as we get older, we, our goals shift to more emotionally meaningful goals. Huh. Um, and so it can still involve physical fitness, but it might be, you know, doing races with other people or uh -huh. being around other people or, you know, 
coaching or you know mentoring someone in a sport that you once enjoyed um, as opposed to when you're younger where it's kind of more perhaps achievement focused and um, you know yeah, proving yeah. that you can overcome things so it's a change in goals and as opposed to like a you know a defeatist approach of I can't do this anymore I should just give give up on this or I'm older and I think it is right. good to kind of shift gears and, and realize that maybe we're not going to perform our bodies in the same way, but that doesn't mean we walk away from something that we were passionate about necessarily. Yeah. Well, good. I'm sure, I, I say sure, uh, <laughs> how, how would I know? I'm, yeah. I, I feel confident that this business of, of um, believing in things affects us, affects our brains, affects how we perceive reality i mean what do we know about reality right our our brains are hidden behind these skulls and we kind of figure out what's going on by the senses that bring information in and then the brain is trying to make sense of all of these senses so you know we live in this imagined reality inside of our brain and so why wouldn't it be true that what we believe matters and so Placebo effect is something that everybody is familiar with. At least they've heard of it. Tell us about that. Do you think that those those kinds of things affect why mindsets matter? I think our expectations can certainly play a role. So people have certainly shown placebo effects in many different scenarios. I think our expectations are part of that. And so when we talk about aging, if you think this is appropriate for an older adult or this is what you're supposed to do, that can be both beneficial, you know, that sometimes it is good to act our age, and sometimes it can cause us to just fall into a trap of, well, I thought I was supposed to, you know, say, retire or move or something. I should have tried it out first. Maybe it's not for everyone. And I think that's kind of an important point, too, is that any advice you get might be helpful for, for certain groups, but there's always a variety of other factors that can influence why we should subscribe to a certain expectation or perhaps realize that's not for us, that you know, some people struggle with retirement because they can't completely let go. Um, maybe you wanna do a more phased retirement, but maybe our expectations of what are gonna, you know, what's gonna happen to us as we retire matters. And people are concerned that they might lose you know, a social connection or being stimulated. Um, so I think in those ways, our expectations can lead to these sorts of placebo effects where we expect something should happen because of a certain age, but that doesn't necessarily mean that'll that'll be the case. And yeah. like I said earlier, happiness is one of those things that we think you know our happiest times might be when we're younger in college, but in fact, that can also also be some of our most confusing times. You know, you don't know what major you're going to do, what job person you're going to meet. Whereas when you're older, you might have more stability or more experience to know even if there are struggles that you can get through these things. And so I think, you know, this sort of life experience serves you well as you get older. True. Uh, I'll, from personal experience, I'll say that, uh, you know, worrying about what other people think is a consuming anxiety when you're young, at least it was for me. And now I, I struggle to make myself continue to care so that I don't <laughs> become, uh, you know, outcast in society. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's part of it is that um, we are very concerned about what others think of us. And as we get older, you know, we're still concerned for some reasons, but we might not be as self-conscious. Uh, but another thing that might get better with age is emotion regulation, that we're better at kind of regulating our emotions and how we conduct ourselves. 
Um, so even though the focus here is the physical components of being an athlete, a lot of, you know, athletic events do involve pacing yourself or, you know, you know, strategizing. And I think, you know, we've seen coaches are often older coaches, people who've been through different experiences. So I think you can use that in an effective way uh, to be more patient, to, to realize when you should make a point. Whereas when you're, you know, 20, you might not be the best teacher in, in those sorts of scenarios. Right, right. Well, and having no emotions is not an answer. To, there's no flavor to living without right. any emotions. I, I mean, joy is not something to wish to be rid of, even if we can wish to be rid of anxiety. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so that makes sense. That's that, that. Maybe that's a part of becoming wise is learning about yourself and learning how to separate your emotions from your behaviors. Feeling emotions as a real part of you is, yeah, you don't want to avoid that or deny that, but that doesn't mean you have to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's certainly part of our, you know, how our expectations, you know, is that what other people want to do or is that what we want to do? You know, some people think, yeah. you know, when you become a grandparent, you're supposed to act in a certain way. Um, but, you know, every family dynamic can be different. You were talking about our focus on the physical for athletics, but still emotions are, are a part of athletics. Yeah. You know, enjoying the feeling of your body being strong and, and pushing your, you know, when you're tired, but you can push yourself, figuring out a way to keep going when you want to stop. I, th I would say these are emotional things. These feelings of pleasure or even feelings of pain are emotions. And related to pain, I, uh, I have more and more come to understand that pain is something that is from your brain. It's not necessarily a hardwired thing that, you know, something is broken or is being damaged and therefore I have pain. Pain is something from your brain. Your brain can learn about something. Your brain can be afraid of something and signal to you in the form of pain. And so athletes know a lot about pain, whether it's a pain from exercising hard and you really want to stop or, you know, you've twisted your ankle or, you know, you've got a bad back and you still want to exercise. I wonder if mindset doesn't have something to do with our, how intently we feel pain and whether we let it stop us. Yeah. I think our interpretation of emotions and, you know, and pain can be incredibly important. And, and there's probably a learning experience as well that, you know, when we're younger, we might think of pain as something that will go away quickly or kind of, just something that passes. And when we're older, it might be more of a signal to us that we should be interpreting things and doing things in a way to not avoid pain because, you know, part of exercise is challenging the body, but a pain that's not going to be long lasting, that might have implications for others. You know, if you can't walk the next day, you might need someone helping you. So I've, I've sort of learned as I got older that I couldn't play basketball two or three times a week because I'd be, you know, taking a nap in the afternoon or <laughs> I wouldn't be as mobile the next day. And that's just not possible when you have you know, young children. So, it, you know, I think those are the trade-offs where you start to interpret, you know, what, what is rewarding to you and, and what is some kind of practical as well. Yeah, yeah. But I will say just because of my personal experience is similar that you can go too far too. You can talk yourself out of doing things that you you could do maybe not as much of but you could still do and have joy and retain your athleticism longer i found that i had 
pulled back from all of my sports, all of my athletic activities, and had become more of an exerciser, rather mm. narrow range of motion types of things, lifting weights, riding a bicycle. And I stayed very strong. I could lift heavy weights. I could ride my bike very well and long. But I started losing my athleticism. I, I, I stopped being able to run around a tennis court or go hike over rough terrain. Yeah, my balance started to go because I wasn't using my balance ever. And so I'm, I'm now in a process of finding that limit again. How, how much can I do? Uh, and I'm going to try different things so that I can hang on to, you know, my balance and my agility and my, you know, in addition to my strength and my endurance. No, that's, I think that's a great observation. I think the variety component is important. You, you certainly don't want to talk yourself out of, well, I, I can't play basketball anymore, but maybe you can't play basketball with 20-year-olds or play basketball for 90 minutes. Yeah. But, you know, if there's a, a league that's got, you know, similar people, similar age, skill level, that might actually be a good thing to transition to. Or, you know, you know, maybe you can't do extreme skiing, but you can still enjoy the outdoors by going hiking. And then that's a great way to get balance, you know, by walking on uneven surfaces. So you're right. I think that's also another example is that we say, oh, I'm older, so I need to exercise in this way. And that in some ways is true. You, you might want to qualitatively change the way you exercise, but there are some things known as desirable difficulties, you know, setting yourself yeah. up with some small challenges that you know, that you can overcome, or if you don't, you're aware that you can't. And, and some of it is simple as, you know, walking on uneven surfaces like hiking. So we know walking is good for your brain. Um, physical exercise is good for your brain. The hippocampus tends to decline by about 2% in volume after the age of 50. And that's the part of the brain that's really involved in a lot of memory formation. Uh. But, you know, research has shown that people who are randomly assigned to a walking group compared to a stretching group, after six months, their hippocampus actually increased in volume by 1%. So not only are you offsetting this decline, your, your brain's growing and their memory improved as well. And, and so, you know, this is a, an exercise group that was walking. So you ask yourself, well, how about biking or how about kayaking and probably anything that's just movement, cardiovascular activity. They chose walking because you can randomly assign people to walk versus stretch. Sure. But I think going beyond that is important. You know, if, if you can walk, then maybe you should be hiking. And, and these are, you know, being on uneven surfaces, unpredictable things, like you're saying, can increase your range of motion and, and train your the basic part of your brain, the cerebellum, which is really involved in just kind of movement and staying upright, is challenged when you're on uneven surfaces or when you have to navigate in, in certain ways. So I think some of the conveniences we've set up in our life, having you know smooth floors and elevators, uh, take away some of these things that might be beneficial. You know, having stairs or having to walk on you know gravel or, or when hiking. So I, I think you're right. You don't want to kind of remove all of these challenges because it's not age appropriate. Fantastic. Okay, so I wonder in your research did you come across or maybe even develop and test um, you know tricks, hacks ways that people can use to help their mindset to you know move from what's not working to age successfully to age successfully 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the first thing is to consider, you know, what's important to you. Um, you know, we study a lot of things in the lab by looking at how people remember information. And as we get older, it's harder to remember more stuff. But what we found is that older adults will actually be better at being selective. So I often get students who are taking my class and, and they, you know, do poorly on the exam and come to my office hours. And I look at their textbook and they've highlighted like 80, 90% of it. So <laughs> it's like they have trouble figuring out what's important. Whereas older adults will come into our lab and, you know, we'll show them some information to remember. And they're more like, why do I need to remember this? Which, which ones are the most important to remember? You know, we'll show grocery prices and some are realistic and some are unrealistic. And they're like, why would I remember the ones that don't make sense? That's just silly. <laughs> That's so a good think, point. Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, there are hacks and there's tricks to remembering, like you can use imagery or you can, you know, make a whole story. But I think the best kind of approach, and it, it might be a natural one as we get older, is that we're more selective, that we're more aware. We can't remember everything. We can't do everything. Maybe we've limited time. We're slower. But that will cause us to maybe go for the gist, kind of remember the general information, kind of, you know, if I told you all these foods you could eat and what, how they would all help your brain, by the end of it, you should probably be like, yeah, most of those foods were, were vegetables, um, you know, non-processed foods. A younger person might be able to rhyme off all 15 or 20 I told you, but might not see that sort of general connection. So I think uh, there might be some sort of benefit as we get older that we don't remember everything precisely. And sometimes we might falsely uh, remember some aspects, but we still kind of generally remember what's going on. So Interesting. So it, whether our brain is working, learning to work better, or it's compensating for the failing memory and it must work better, somehow we, we get good at figuring out what's important. Exactly. And, and you're right. You know, part of it is this compensation model that maybe we, if we were still young, we just remember everything. But, you know, sometimes I think we would benefit. The younger person would benefit by having an older person. Yeah. And maybe that's what a mentor or a coach could be like, hey, you don't need to focus on all of these things. Just focus on this one thing. Yeah. And in fact, it's an oxymoron to talk about focusing on everything anyway. Yeah, it results in multitasking, it results in being overwhelmed. And I think we've seen that, you know, if you get golf instruction or tennis instruction, you could see something and be like, I have to change all 10 of these things, you're doing it all wrong. But an older person or a more, you know, experienced coach might be like, look, I'm going to, there's one thing, if I fix this, that's going to change 70% of this experience for you. Oh, sure. Yeah. The Pareto principle applies to everything. So find it the really one or can, two things. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the one or two things that are important. And I think as we get older, that, that becomes even more apparent. You know, sometimes it comes down to family or being independent or yeah. being able to enjoy the things we are really important to us. Whereas knowing that we might not be able to do everything that we once did or in the same manner we once did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was there anything else? I thought it was funny. I heard you mention um, how you get people to remember your name. It actually worked because I remembered your name and how to pronounce it. Yeah, I think, you know, there are ways to trick your brain into remembering things that you might kind of quickly forget. And I think memory for names is one of those things where we all think we're really bad at it. But the truth is, we are all really bad at it. So <laughs> there's no shame. I tell people I study memory and I've forgotten your name. Or can you but I tell them the reason, I've, the reason I've forgotten is because I remember other things about you. Like we had a good conversation about this or you shared this story with me. And you know, as a result, I'm going to remember that, but maybe not your name. But, you know, we remember stories. I think that's what it comes down to. We try and make sense uh, of the world. So if I say, 
my last name is Castell, that doesn't, it's not very meaningful. But if I say it rhymes with pastel and my grandfather was a painter, now you can kind of incorporate these things or it looks like castle. It's a castle illusion. You can make this image. Um, and then you might remember this short little story or trick. But again, you're tricking your brain into remembering things that it wouldn't normally, you know, immediately remember, especially as we get older. And I, I think sometimes, yes, there are hacks or tricks we can use to, to, to achieve that, but maybe we should be more natural in our approach by saying, look, we're going to forget some things. And this is what we call metacognition, just the awareness that we're not going to be able to remember everything, or we learn in different ways that can help us. And as we get older, we become more aware of that. Even noticing you don't remember names as well as you used to is a sign of metacognition. And then compensation, you know, you can write the names down, you can use imagery, or you can say, you know what, Joe, I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot your name, but you told me all these <laughs> stories about how you used to ski in Colorado. So that, you know, that, that appealed to me. So that's what my brain tucked away as important. Fair enough. Fair enough. And if you ever had a trick for helping a parent remember the names of their kids in a moment's notice so that they never called the wrong kid the wrong name, that would be worth money. Yeah. Well, as long as you remember they're your kids, I think that's the <laughs> more important thing. Okay. So uh, we've really gotten through the list of things that I was interested in. I wonder, is there any more? Do you, do you want to revisit your um, ABCs? Uh, what, what do you think would be valuable to the older athlete and understanding how to apply mindset to enjoying, you know, the years that they've got left? Yeah, well, I always kind of conclude with, um, I did some interviews with older adults. And when I first got this job at UCLA, I was a basketball fan and couldn't believe I was working at UCLA. And I realized John Wooden, you know, was still around sure. and would occasionally lecture at, uh, at a, you know, in his 90s. And so I was put in touch with him. And I was so fortunate to be able to do an interview with him. In fact, he even called me the night before to remind me that I was <laughs> I had an interview with him. So I thought, here's this 90 year old telling, you know, reminding me. Um, and, and so I, I really asked him many questions and uh, tried to say, you know, what's the secret of successful aging? And he said, you know, it really comes down to two things. And I thought, well, this is great. Finally, I'm going to, you know, learn from, from Coach Wooden. But he had me guess. He, he wouldn't just tell me. And he prided himself as being a teacher, not, not just a coach. And this is actually a very useful way to get people to remember things is have them kind of generate and come up with a guess before you tell them. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Joe. He said the two most important words in the English language. Let's see if you can come up with them. I'm afraid I've heard you tell the story. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, I'll, you but know, we'll I'll, say to the audience, think of what you think the answer is. There you go. And then we're going to tell you. Start with that. Take a second and reflect, you know, what are, what are the two most important things? And he, he started off by, you know, I didn't get it when I guessed. He said love is the most important thing. You know, be around the people you love, do the things you love. That's really important at any age in life. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, I think, even more important, he said, was balance. And that's how we started talking about, you know, the ABCs of successful aging. And he meant balance in many different ways, you know, physical balance, because after the age of 65, one in three people will experience a fall, which can result in a broken hip. He broke his collarbone and wrist and, and lay on the floor in his apartment. And he had a life alert button, but he didn't press it because he didn't want to bother anyone in the middle oh of the gosh. night. So it shows, again, the psychological components of, you know, aging are really important. Um, and thankfully, he recovered. But I think 
practicing physical balance is really important. And as we get older, most people would say, I'm really concerned my memory. I don't remember things as well as I used to. And I'll say, oh, okay, how's your balance? And most people have no idea. They're like, it's fine. No problems. And you can do a very simple balance test. And, you know, if we were in person, we'd stand up and stand on one leg and see how long you can hold that. You know, if you Mm -hmm. can do that for 10 seconds. And a lot of people will struggle. And um, and if you can do that, try closing your eyes while you're on one leg. And that's where, you know, all your visual cues are gone. People really, right. and that's what it's like when you get up in the middle of the night, you have to use the bathroom, you trip on a carpet, you lose your balance. So I think balance is so important and kind of un- underappreciated. Um, and then just having balance in your life, you know, you don't retire to spend all your time with grandchildren. That can be <laughs> problematic for everyone involved. And even retirement can be challenging because it's a change in balance. Um, you know, you're not going to go bike riding for 14 hours a day. That's that's not healthy either. So kind of finding this balance, I think, is something that, you know, is very important at any age. So that's what Coach Wooden left uh, left me with, those those important words. And I think, uh, you know, those that's are great. something at every age we need to consider. Those are great. And, and I'll tack on to the end of that if I... I'm allowed to, and since this is my podcast, who's going to stop me? <laughs> is that um, you know balance? I, I've thought about this idea of balance for many years because, of course, it's it's old advice. It's good advice. <laughs> People have known for a long time that this is important, and I and I, I put it this way um, as I thought about it that you know the idea of balancing on a ball that is really hard, but balancing a bike. That's not hard at all. And why is that? Well, because you're moving forward and you can just adjust a little bit this way and that way as you move forward. So the moving forward is one of the keys to balancing in life, I believe. That's great advice. I think a lot of older adults that just say it all comes down to just keep moving. And so even if you say, you know, you should get exercise, sometimes people are like, oh, exercise, it sounds, but just movement, you know, getting up, moving around, doing different things. I, I think that you're absolutely right. Fantastic. Dr. Castell, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. I wonder if you could tell our audience how they can find you online, your book, and your other work. I know that you uh, did a, a TED Talk. Yeah, I have a book called Better with Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging. And it's a collection of, you know, interviews with older adults mixed with the science of successful aging to kind of get at, you know, what works, what people think works, uh, what we don't know. Um, And it's intended for, you know, an audience at any age. And uh, I'm a professor at UCLA, so you can find my research on the the web. And I also have a a TEDx talk if you're interested in a a short um, summary of many things we've talked about today. So thanks for having me on the show. Sure thing. Uh, I'll put a link to all of those things in the show notes for anybody who wants to look for them there. You have a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Dr. Alan Costell. You can find more information about Dr. Costell and his work in the show notes.